Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to yet another edition of the Silver Scrapes podcast. This right now is being recorded on a Friday morning as there is Friday Night League tonight to start off the week four of Summer LCS. Uh, I did a nice uh, LCS preview uh, episode before the start of the split as I still have like reduced hours at work right now and the world is still kind of socially imploding and stuff. It's been uh, real weird for me um, to take the time to record this and to just sit and talk about League, especially with LCS uh, being at home and stuff right now. Um, I've had a little bit less interest in it. I've still watched just about all the games uh, except for when I've had stuff going on on Sundays because I'm not just stuck at work right now through the whole weekend, actually. Um, but when uh, I have gone back and like rewatched games that I've missed and stuff, and um, I am generally enjoying the LCS so far in summer 2020, although I can say that where spring felt like it had a lot of matchups where uh, teams would trade games through the season, like... 100 Thieves lost to someone in the first round robin and beat them the second time, for example, was a common one. Um, I guess, at least for the remainder of this first round robin, um, I had typed up some notes uh, saying, LCS, uh, of three, after three weeks of LCS, what do we know so far? And I kind of was just thinking about what's happened with the team since the offseason and stuff like that. And then I looked at their records, and I think that a lot of stuff just generally makes sense. Um, I guess this is a a good time for reflection. At least I found that to be true. Um, But I think that a lot of teams' records and a lot of teams' performance right now makes sense, uh, at least to me. And then I went ahead and predicted Week 4 and Week 5's games, so I've made predictions for each team's record... Uh, when the season will be 10 games deep, so exactly half of the summer split will be finished. Which is also crazy, because it feels like the summer split just began. And I think that part of that impact is that it's because the teams are still at home, and we're not getting to see the the live shots of them all in the studio, high-fiving fans every week, and uh, they'll wear like their different jersey designs and stuff. And um, I think that the LCS being in studio would be so good, but LA has so many stupid rules with this COVID thing. I don't want to be dismissive. I think that people should wear a mask. I think this needs to be treated very seriously. I I do understand that. Um, But I definitely, I think that, I understand that Europe's a different place, but the LEC being back in studio has been really, really great for them. Um, I know that LA kind of pointlessly, you could even say, has a lot of the infrastructure for stuff like this. I really hope that this year helps the world re-examine why we do a lot of things the way we do. I really think it would be great if central, the central U.S., specifically Colorado, um, even northern Texas, that was my coffee cup falling over. I'm getting ready for work right now. I've never recorded this from home on my phone. This is a great podcast. Uh, Why do you listen? You don't. Um, So... I would really love the central, uh, the central U.S., northern Texas, Colorado, um, like, just that, that whole area in the middle, you know, take advantage of, like, the Kansas City Chiefs just won the Super Bowl, right? I know they got Google Fiber there, there's streamers that live there, Dr. Lupo lives in Nebraska, throw an esports arena in Nebraska, what are people going to Nebraska for? Not nothing. 
So just put some fast internet there. Yeah, sometimes there's tornadoes and yeah, it snows in the winter. And I get that it's it's not perfect. It's not the the beautiful weather of Los Angeles, but that does I mean that doesn't make it a trash can, right? We could we could figure something out, and then that would help people's ping if everything was more centralized, especially the servers being in Chicago. Make Chicago an esports hub. I know that Chicago has really bad weather, and you know privileged white kids will tell you about the crime rate and be that'll be supposed to scare you or something, but. Uh, and, you know, being uh, decently privileged, regardless of the fact that I'm fat and depressed, white kid, um, I can, I, I mean, I get it, which sucks. Um, but, like that corn pop, corn coffee, I must be dyslexic. Corn coffee, ASMR. Now I'm stirring it. This is not a lead podcast. <laughs> Alright, so what I was saying is that the standing so far in the LCS, everything makes sense. Right now, C9 is 6-0. TSM, Team Liquid, Evil Geniuses, FlyQuest, and CLG are all 4-2. Golden Guardians are 2-4. 100 Thieves and IMT share a record of 1-5. With 100 Thieves above them in the standings, as Immortals is the only team they've beat. And then Dignitas is sitting at 0-6. Now... I can go through and talk about each team specifically, but just as a quick bullet point. Think about those standings. Who's at the top? Cloud9, TSM, Team Liquid, Evil Geniuses, FlyQuest, CLG. Okay, that's your top six. I get that the top eight makes playoffs now, but come on. There's your top six. Okay. So, what's up with all of those teams compared to Golden Guardians, 100 Thieves, Immortals, and Dig? What's the, the big difference? Well, okay, I can say there's two outliers here. There's two outliers here. Um, TSM brought in double lift, so that's a big roster change, right? Team Liquid kept tactical. They ended up using him last split, so you could you can put that here or there. Um, and then they got Jat brought in as their coach. Okay, I'll give you that even. And then uh, FlyQuest kept solo, but they used solo throughout all the finals and stuff so it was pretty obvious that they were sold on him uh before the split ended so okay you uh you look at all that and then FlyQuest during the split here has made one roster change they put in MASH over Wild Turtle but you could argue that throughout all of last split, regardless of the fact that he did actually have some good games, Wild Turtle... Okay, Viper was the weakest link on FlyQuest, but Wild Turtle was then the second weakest link on the team, and FlyQuest figured out a way to get rid of Viper, so now they've figured out a way to shore up those differences in the bot lane, and they have ditched Wild Turtle. They have brought back the Season 3 sensation, Don't Mash Me. Now it just goes by mash. And um, I did not see this coming. I sure didn't. But he has looked really good, specifically as a Felios, is nutty. I mean, I get the champ has 200 years worth of balance experience. But also, didn't that statement start with the Wukong rework? Wukong mains were tweeting at Luxburg or whatever, and then he was like... I get that you've played the champion a lot, but between me and all the designers, we have 200 years of collective design experience, so, like, thanks for the feedback, but no thanks. It was, like, the gist of his tweet, right? And that was about the Wukong rework. So, people just call Aphelios 200 years now? I'm sick to my stomach. Makes no sense. 
I get that Volibear is a very 200 years champion right now after the he got hotfix buffed and then full buffed in the patch too and he's a nutty guy I've only played him once I I went 1 and 8 but won the game so say what you will um but what I'm saying my whole point here is that the teams at the bottom besides 100 thieves 100 thieves now 100 thieves have made roster changes after the end of week 3 Medios XD um now 100 Thieves has made roster changes, but going into the split, they didn't change jack diddly shit. Um, so my point is, is that Golden Guardians brought in DeMonte, got rid of Golden Glue. Not a crazy change. Uh, you can maybe argue that it's negligible. Um, but regardless, nothing nuts. Um, then you look at, and their coach had COVID or something, I was hearing. Uh, you look at Immortals, Immortals had that whole crazy, we're experimenting our roster, we're flipping it, half the Academy players are starting, Apollo, Hakuo, and Smithy are in Academy now, and it's like, what? And then, it, like, they're gonna make changes, and they're still starting like a, what? <laughs> um, but, and then Dignitas did the most. Dignitas got rid of Huni. that happened right away when the offseason started, uh, so Huni's out of Dignitas. They bring in uh, Viper to compete with Lorlo. So that's like a juggling match for sure. Uh, then they bring in Dardock to replace Griggs. So Griggs just gone. Griggs ghosted. And they have Dardock now to compete with Acadian. But Acadian was still starting. So Acadian's like playing like he's seen ghosts because it's him and Dardock instead of him and Grig. And Dardock has like this huge reputation. You can just tell, Acadian's not playing bad, but it's like, he's not playing as good as he was in playoffs and stuff. He's def he's playing worse than then. Um, he's not playing well. He's not playing bad, but he's not playing well. Um, and then, what else did Dignitas do? Oh, yeah, they got rid of DeMonte by sending him off to Golden Guardians, and the reason they got rid of DeMonte is because they decided they were going to test out all of their players for all of their positions, and they were even trying out Phoenix, who spent less bit playing Academy 80 carry, they're trying him out for the mid lane. Uh, after one day, they told DeMonte they didn't want DeMonte for the mid lane. It just wasn't the right fit. And then they spent a bunch of time testing Phoenix and stuff when he's literally been playing AD carry. And it's it's kind of insane, if you ask me. Like, so the DeMonte found a way to get dished, so that's good for him. And then they... They brought in Viper, they brought in JJ from FlyQuest Academy, who's a former LCS support. I think he played on FlyQuest, like, first iteration, something like that. Um, so, yeah, they bring in the top laner, and they bring in the reject top and the reject support from FlyQuest. They bring in TSM's reject jungler that it's, I'm sorry, it's not my fault that no one wants Dardak. They, and then, like, they're talking about taking out Froggen, from what I've heard, it's just absolutely insane, to be honest, if you ask me. And then, what I've really been spending all of this time trying to say, I think I've been talking for the better part of 15 minutes, so I'm really sorry that I haven't actually made a single point, and that you've kind of just been hearing me make breakfast slash prepare for my day uh, in the background. Um, what I'm trying to say is that the teams that m made big off off-season moves between spring and summer, so just but in the six weeks that we had from the end of uh, spring playoffs to the start of summer games. Um, the teams that tried to make big moves, like shuffling their roster around completely or bringing in three new players and getting rid of a player they paid a bunch of money, um, or, like, 
besides TSM just, like, going back to being 2016 TSM, like, they brought in their own coach, they brought in double lifts, like, that's not a, a crazy change, I would argue, um, just because it's, like, a situation they're familiar with, it's, like, a known quantity to a certain extent. I get that the game changes and stuff changes, like, Doublelift never played Zaya back then, right, because Zaya wasn't out yet, um, so that's, like, a new wrinkle that he can have, like, it's a new, uh, hi like, him and Bjergsen have never made a crazy play where Doublelift sets him up with Zaya or something, right, so that's, like, there's stuff that can change, but they know how each other operate, and if anything's changed about them, it's not going to be anything super crazy, and if they thought they were successful back then, they'll probably just revert back to their old ways if they must. Um, I digress. Uh, and then Team Liquid bringing in Jat as a coach is a pretty big move, but they had already played with Tactical last split, and they uh, kind of knew right away that stuff with uh, Doublelift was going south, so um, I would say that those are two more kind of exempt situations. Um, if you look, Evil Geniuses made no roster, no coaching changes. They just got ready to play. CLG made no roster, no coaching changes. They just got ready to play. Um, if you look at uh, FlyQuest even as well, you could say that. They made no roster changes, no coaching changes. They just got ready to play. Like, they got rid of Viper, but they weren't using him. And then you look at teams like Immortals, who flipped their whole roster inside out, upside down. And then after two weeks of games, fire their coach and their general manager, and then flip the rosters completely the other way, take the team that's been playing in Academy and not doing that great for three weeks, put them in LCS, and then they win a game! And then they win a game. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy, like, the stuff that's kind of gone down. Um... My major point here is that the teams that stuck with their rosters, the teams that just got ready to play, are having way better results than the teams that tried to solve the problem in six weeks by making some crazy change and expecting these people to be able to play together. Think about how people were talking about Team Liquid last split when they started scrimming late. They didn't do a boot camp. There was Broxa Visa issues. This team's only been playing together for three weeks when it's week eight in the LCS or whatever. All that, right? That's the case now, too, for some of these teams. Dignitas, it doesn't matter how much you tried to scrim, how early you did it, how many roster iterations you tried. Every hour you spent on one of those different roster iterations is an hour that wasn't spent building synergy with your main roster. And normally, I don't try to feed into that bullshit so much. I don't think that... Uh, I think swapping players out is something that teams should explore more and more. I do hold that as a general opinion. But I think that that's a good idea for teams like Cloud9, like where they're doing stuff like lane swapping, or like if they had a specific comp where they'd want to use, um, the, the problem with C9 is that all of their players are the actual best, but like a winning team, if they had a specific comp where their academy top laner was the, the guy who should play the pick or something like that, I don't think that that stuff's that outlandish and that you can try it for a game, um, or a couple games, until teams ban the thing or figure it out or whatever. You always gotta have a couple plans. Obviously, League is a complicated thing, but I'm just saying, I think experimentation isn't bad. I'm just saying that if you're losing a tiebreaker to make playoffs or getting knocked out of playoffs in the first round, 
You're not going to solve something that's going to make you top three and have you hit worlds in six weeks by changing some of the people that are involved with the scenario. I think you just have to fundamentally change your approach. You have to try something off the wall. And if that fails harder, then, you know, then maybe you know that you've peaked with those people and then that's the time to swap someone out. In like a more permanent way than uh, just like a standard substitution. So, um, yeah, what I'm... Uh, Thank you again for listening to the Silver Scrapes podcast. Uh, I'm not going to have so much background noise or anything uh, now, at least not the same. Um, So I'm just going to run through my notes that I have real quick. I'm going to talk about each of the teams, kind of what I've seen, the feeling that I have about them right now. Um, I'm going to give you the what I think people's records are going to be two weeks from now. So at the end of week five, after everyone's ever after every team has played every other team, um, and then uh, plus one, right? They'll have played one team twice to have 10, 10 games because nine there's nine other teams. Uh, but at the end of at the end of week five, the official halfway point of the split, I will give you what I think people's records will be at that point. And the whole general point that I've been making about how the teams who made roster moves over last uh, at the end of last split between then and now are the teams that are doing a little bit worse, I would say, on average, than the teams at the top of the board, um, because I would argue that the TL and TSM changes, although they were large and obviously impactful, are kind of negligible as far as, uh, like, the point that I'm making, because they're kind of people being in familiar situations, other than Jack being a first-time coach, but like Jad has said on multiple shows and stuff, they still have the great coaches that were there that won the four titles in a row. They're just acting in, uh, like assistant coach or general manager or whatever positions right now um where jat has his analytical brain and crazy theory crafting mind and uh league theories in play directly with the players um he's also being supported by these coaches that are literal four-time consecutive lcs champion coaches so uh he's not doing all that work alone um but okay let me just run through the notes three weeks of lcs okay hang on the point that i'm making is that yeah those teams are doing worse. The teams that didn't make those moves are doing better. Um, and I think that that makes this split of LCS a little bit fixed, at least this first round robin. My predictions kind of very much follow trends. Like these changes that 100 Thieves have coming up this weekend, I knew about them when I made these predictions and I'm not convinced. Um, also, I tweeted about wanting to wait to record this until Golden Glue had made his announcement. That still hasn't happened. So I have everything uh, on the table so far as I'm letting you know about all this stuff. And the games are playing, some games are getting played later tonight. So, okay, realistically, what do we know about the NALCS, pardon me, the LCS, uh, so far after three weeks of play going into week four? Uh, The main thing that we know is that Cloud9 still looks dominant, again. (laughs) Some teams are scrapping with them more so than last split, but I think that they know that that's what you have to do. They haven't really had a true game, a true close game, I should say. Uh, Team Liquid and Golden Guardians kind of pushed them the farthest of the teams they've played so far, though. Um, right now there are five teams tied for second place, which are Team Liquid, TSM, Evil Geniuses, CLG, and FlyQuest. So I'm just going to run through what I have written for each of them. Team Liquid uh, looked better with Jat and Tactical than they did last split. I don't think it's a surprise. I expected that as soon as I heard the news. They should be a top four team at the end of the split. Um, TSM still looking consistent to me, uh, but they have potential upswing. Uh, Broken Blade playing Shen on the weak side uh, looked really good. Um, Bjergsen, I think that might have been Bjergsen's LeBlanc game, or if Bjergsen on LeBlanc was a different game, he looked really good in that game against EG, even if they put Jizuke on Karma and kind of into the game from themselves, uh, he did still look strong. 
I think that other than that game, EG still kind of EG looks like themselves again. They've had a couple of experimental drafts, quote unquote, that I don't really think fit them. Like I said, uh, but Kumo has looked a lot better. I wonder if Huni is coaching him behind the scenes, like playing one v ones, like uh, Fudge and Licorice do on Cloud Nine or something like that. Um, if they can keep, if they can consistently perform against good teams, they'll be top three, maybe even in finals uh, this split. If you ask me, um, I, they can make worlds for sure. Uh, after that, there's CLG. They're the big surprise of the group. Um, Sticks A looks a lot better than he was in spring. I thought he really looked washed up last split. I was very vocal about that. Um, Smoothie, Wiggly, and Ruin all seem to just be playing a little bit more consistent. I haven't seen Smoothie stealing a bunch of kills. I haven't seen Wiggly inting that much. I did see him pick Jarvan at one point, and I think it was against FlyQuest or something, where he, like, he missed his EQ, and as Jarvan just kind of stood and auto-attacked someone twice, like, where... Like, if you miss that CC and your team's trying to go in, you like you have to call to them that you miss the knockup and you, you just are going to get DPS to death. Like, you can't stand there in auto twice. I don't know. It was crazy to me. Like, he was taking Conqueror, so I think he was trying to stack Conqueror, but if you miss that EQ, like, you can't commit on Jarvan. It was NA Jarvan to the max. Um, I did not love it. <laughs> I see them falling off a little bit more. Uh, than the other teams that are in this position uh, with them right now. Uh, FlyQuest was the second place finisher in Spring Split, and they're the fifth team that's tied up in second place right now. Um, I think they're still kind of a team that everyone overlooks, even though people know that they're good. Um, I said I was before the split in my last episode that I was not convinced that Solo was going to be a great option for them moving forward, um, and I was worried about Santorin and Turtle falling off. They did, like I said earlier in this, uh, replace Wild Turtle with Mash, so they've avoided a little bit of that, not having to worry about Turtle falling off, and I thought, I th like I said, I think Mash has looked really good. Um, they had Ignar even playing like Pantheon support and stuff, like it's been really cool to watch them actually so far this split I think um they're letting POE like split push a little more with TF and stuff um and MASH is team fighting uh in their game where they played Senna um I don't think MASH had the right read on Senna he just built her like a traditional AD carry and they ran into some of those problems that double lift was having last split where they couldn't catch side waves properly because it takes Senna like way too long to push out and stuff but his, uh, his Aphelios has been really good if they can just work on some of that stuff. Like, Festing Senna is obviously still the better one. Um, and then if you're... I don't think that, like, Glacial and stuff like that's, like, really the move anymore. I've heard that it's the Grasp, Frozen Mallet, um, Black Cleaver is really good because you still get the slow like you would have with Glacial, but um, it's a lot of healing for you. You have so much HP and you shred their armor so you still hit, like, a truck. And then, yeah, so then, uh, like I was kind of talking about before, then we're looking at the bottom, uh, the teams on the bottom, which is GG, 100 Thieves, Immortals, Dignitas. Um, I kind of went over some of this stuff, but the... Yeah, Golden Guardians has looked good. I think Demonte is a good uh, fit for them. They've been playing one three ones a lot. They've been play he's been playing a lot of TF. A lot everyone's been playing a lot of TF in the world, but Demonte's looked good on it. Um, I think that shows that they're paying attention to the meta a lot, which I think is very important. Obviously, um, and then there's uh, Hundred Thieves, which just blew up their roster, which is crazy. I don't know what's gonna happen with Medios as far as the LCS is concerned. Like. 
I thought it was really big on 100 Thieves to, like, give him another shot, quote-unquote, and then for him to end up making statements like that and stuff, it's just, like, it's kind of a yikes for me, as far as I'm concerned. <coughs> and I really like Medios, too, so I want to see him do well moving forward, for sure. Um, I think Immortals is super up in the air. I, I like the Alorum and Insanity addition to the roster. I think that it's... I think they're better than Soaz and Ica were last year, and surprise, surprise, the, the French coach gets fired and the two French players get benched and the team looks a little better. Um, Immortals had no nepotism, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I know Ica, he, I know Ica, he never talked to you. Yep, it's not some crazy conspiracy. You're, you're just, like, even if Ica wasn't involved with it, if Zabutin is like, I want this French guy to get opportunity because I'm French and French, French, that's probably what it was. Ridiculous. Moving forward, um, yeah, it was weird. The Immortals Academy, quote-unquote Academy roster, played against Cloud9 and actually looked kind of decent. Um, I just wish they had made those changes in the offseason, like getting rid of their coach and GM. If that's what the Immortals, uh, like, company wanted to do, then that's what they should have done in the offseason, but it's not what they wanted to do. They were just getting a lot of backlash because their team makes no sense. Made no sense. They kind of make sense now. Um, and then Dig, I think, is the biggest disappointment at 0-6. I thought they were gonna, they looked fine last split, and I thought they would be looking better, but like I said earlier, if they were doing all that stuff where they're trying out all the different rosters and moving so many players around, then all that does is waste time with having synergy with people, and then, like, DeMonte and Acadian aren't on the same team anymore, but they live in the same house still, so maybe Acadian has some anxieties about that, and that's why he's been playing worse, and... Yeah, Dig and 100 Thieves being really awful is like a big surprise to me right now. I would have put more money on it being CLG or even Golden Guardians. Definitely Immortals I had as like the bottom team. And then with them, like, I guess Dig being in there doesn't like not make sense because TSM was like really bad last split, which is kind of what made the, the standings look the way they did and stuff for a while. But I don't know. Yeah, it's, I guess it's even still weird to me that uh, FlyQuest is even, a, like, a good team and sits at the top of the standings regularly and stuff. It's, uh, but, yeah, basically the, the point I'm trying to drive home is that the LCS feels a little bit more fixed uh, than it did in spring, at least as far as I'm concerned in this first time around the round robin, and then maybe we'll kind of see if any teams drastically change their uh, performance. But if you ask me, after this weekend's games and the next weekend's games, so sitting at the end of week five, the records will have Cloud9 at 10-0, Evil Geniuses at 8-2, Team Liquid at 7-3. We'll have a tie for 4th, 5th, 6th with TSM, CLG, and FlyQuest all at 6-4. Golden Guardians will be sitting at 3-7, 100 Thieves at 2-8, and, and Immortals and Dignitas will be sitting at 1-9. I do not see stuff going well for that bottom half of the teams. I kind of think we'll just, we can kind of expect um, more more of the same consistent kind of play style uh, from some of the other teams. I, w I went through and actually looked at each team's games that they played and gave them like a plus or a minus for each of the four games that are going to get played over that time by each team. Um, I did have some teams kind of flip-flopping, like I think I put CLG would beat TSM and lose to Team Liquid or something, and then because then Team Liquid played TSM the next week that they'd uh, bounce back and beat them or something. Like I kind of did try to consider... Uh, the momentum and stuff like that when I was making these predictions and um, 
I don't know if there's going to be a patch change or, like, any crazy meta shifts. I know that Licorice said on a Travis Gafford interview this past week he feels like NA is far behind in the meta, at least as far as top lane goes. Um, Haunter also did an interview with Travis Gafford where he kind of disputed that and said that um, maybe certain picks like Wukong and stuff like that just don't fit a lot of NA team styles where the top laners don't have, like, that confidence to do stuff like go for solo kills so that you can get Wukong enough gold to make him useful in team fights and stuff. Um, they'd rather just play safer stuff like Aatrox, which has a lot of built-in utility by having so much lifesteal and three to four knockups if you consider his W and all that stuff, so... Um, and they're more comfortable playing it. They've put in, you know, hundreds of Aatrox games where Wukong was a troll pick and then his rework made him a must pick and then that only happened, you know, two months ago. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's definitely interesting to see how the different teams feel about it. Um, the it's It's been an interesting split of LCS so far, I think. I didn't expect some of these teams to be performing the way that they were, um, but I, I do expect them all to kind of continue performing the way that they are. Uh, so that'll be interesting uh, to see if that's exactly how everything goes down. Um, I don't really have a whole lot more to talk about because the... I don't know, my notes ended up just feeling kind of long-winded, and my my big point is just that the games kind of feel... Uh, they kind of feel fixed. Um... I guess just generally, uh, I hope you guys enjoy the LCS games that are uh, coming up tonight. There's Friday Night League games, and then there's games over this 4th of July weekend. My city personally isn't even having a fireworks celebration or anything, and uh, normally we have one that draws tourists and our beaches get all full and stuff like that, so uh, this is going to be a weird time uh, in the in the city of Sheboygan over this weekend, I think. It's... Uh, there's some weirdness in the air, especially with the world, and we're halfway through this year, and it doesn't feel like anything's happened because everything's been happening, and it's 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 a real weird time. Uh, yeah, if uh, if anybody listened all this way through, uh, shoot the podcast Twitter at Scrapes Podcast um, on Twitter. Uh, shoot us some some stuff about what's been uh, what's been getting you through the the quarantine, through the civil unrest, through the the COVID. Uh, personally, I have lost some of the things that I like the most. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Roleplay Court of Swords, a weekly D&D show that was on Twitch, uh, but due to some circumstances that I don't particularly think were a huge deal, I think they kind of got misrepresented. Um, a different Roleplay show got cancelled, which led to the Game Master that was the Game Master in both Court of Swords in that game to take a step back from doing any type of live content, and then after you know, six, seven weeks of social quarantine while quarantining, um, he decided that he's just taking a permanent leave from video content, so he doesn't stream, he doesn't YouTube, uh, roleplay as a company completely is disbanded, they still have one show running, and that show will continue to run until the characters in the, the GM wanted to end, and they all said they have no intention of stopping anytime soon. I don't particularly watch that show. I've gone back and started watching uh, Roleplay Swansong, which uses that same game master who just retired, I guess you could say, um, and the head of it, JP. Um, so I've been going through and watching that, and I've decided that I'm putting some creative energy into making a space sci-fi kind of thing, I don't know, I'm going to start writing it, it's, everything I write starts as, like, a short story or a novel, but if it somehow turns into a tabletop or a manuscript or 
I don't know, an idea for a video game or something, then that's what it'll be, but I'm just kind of generally writing about it, I'm gonna, so that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm doing, I've never actually written or tried to create anything in, like, a space sci-fi, uh, area, space before, um, I've always written in kind of, like, realistic or, uh, like, fantasy styles, with, you know, I'm much more of a dragons, dwarves, and swords kind of guy than I am, like, a laser beam and spaceships kind of guy, um, so I want to push myself to make something uh, in that space, maybe incorporate elements together, like Doom Eternal, right? Doom Eternal super sci-fi and super medieval at the same time. Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of what's getting me through this. I, I know I haven't been putting a ton into the podcast, so if anybody has been listening this far, this 32 minutes of me rambling about the first three weeks of LCS, talking about the next two, uh, who knows when I'm going to record the next one of these. Um, if the games go back to the studio, I'll be doing it weekly, I guarantee you. Um, I just have this weird disconnect from LCS right now. I have a weird disconnect from a lot of stuff. The, like I said, roleplay got canceled. Um, Chris Delia's podcast is effectively canceled because he's a fucking creep now which is great, uh, love that, I, I was a big fan of congratulations, yes, um, no, yeah, the log cabin is still sucking and fucking, but, like, it's, it sucks that, uh, that the youngest man alive really thought that about himself or something, I, I don't know, man, it's super weird, um, and then on top of that, now Doc's banned off Twitch, too, um, I do like supporting smaller streamers and yada yada, but at the end of the day, man, that character work that Doc did, those transitions that he had, the music that he had made, the stuff that he would do, he was just on another level, he's at the tippity top of the mountain, and he's not even halfway up, and I don't know, I I look up to Doc in a way, uh, and him being gone, and there being no explanation for it just feels weird and hollow, and the whole world is just speaking out about their experiences, and everything's been super crazy and super heavy lately, so I hope that anybody who's actually listening to this, if anybody is, uh, is enjoying the LCS at the very least, um, and I hope that this hasn't been, I mean, this, this has been a clusterfuck of an episode, you heard my cat, you heard me in my kitchen, um, I'm now just on my phone at work like normal, so, uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this roughly 35 minutes of uh, incoherent bullshit about the, the LCS and my life at the same time, uh, that's, that's why we're silver scraping, baby, it's game five every day, if you ask me, uh, so, thank you guys, make sure, you can follow me at Twitter, on, at Twitter on Smemzen, no, on Twitter, at Smemzen, S-M-E-M-Z-E-N, you can follow the podcast at Scrapes Podcast on Twitter, um, I'm gonna, maybe try to do, like, tweet predictions for LCS wins and losses or something, but then I'm going to contradict the work that I did here, so after week five, starting week six, I'll do, uh, just pre-draft, no pre-draft, post-draft stuff, but I'll just do pre-draft predictions, um, or, you know, before the whole day or whatever, so, uh, we'll, we'll see what's up, and, uh, yeah, thanks you guys for listening, if anybody has, I really hope that stuff's going smoothly for everybody, I hope that you're getting through, um, like I said, I hope you've enjoyed the LCS, I hope you've enjoyed this, um, you know, I hope you're excited for the PlayStation 5, a lot of those games look really, really excellent, I know that that's a tiny, in a world of social unrest, saying something like, I hope you're excited for the PlayStation 5, feels kind of shitty, but at the same time, like, you know, if I can't be excited for a new Ratchet and Clank where you get to play as a female Lombax, like, what? If I can't be excited for that, then, I don't know, you know, 
<laughs> it's it's about having those distractions, I think. So I, I hope you guys uh, are getting through. If you've listened this far, thank you so much. Um, you know, enjoy yourself. <laughs>